You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Thursday, and in these episodes, we focus on one of two things. We'll either be sharing one of our favorite and most actionable talks from a Flip My Funnel event, or you'll hear Sangram and someone from the Terminus team discuss how they're getting better in a specific functional area of Terminus's business. And remember, like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Flip My Funnel podcast. My name is John Ruji, and I'm taking over for Sangram as co-host of the show, the Takeover Tuesday series, where we're doing a four-part series on category creation. So this is our second interview in the series, and it's going to be a really interesting one because while our guest started her career as a physical therapist, she later went on to found a highly successful software company that defined a new category in the medical industry. So joining me today is Heidi Janenga, co-founder and president of WebPT. Heidi, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, John. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a real pleasure. And uh, I was talking to you earlier, you know, I've, I'm not only excited to talk to you from a business perspective, but as a, a patient of PT and a, and a husband to a physical therapist myself, I just really love the work that you guys do. So I'm so excited to, to learn more about your story. Oh, that's fantastic. And uh, that, that message needs to get out there more and more that the value that we provide as physical therapists. And I know we talked about you uh, even preventing uh, having back surgery, having gone to physical therapy. So I love it. Love that your wife is uh, an evangelist and doing great work. <laughs> yeah, something very valuable that you guys provide. And you're right, not enough people take advantage of it and understand its full benefits. And, and speaking of that, you, you started your career as a physical therapist. And as I mentioned in the intro, you went on to become a very successful software executive So and a founder of, of the company. So um, I'd love it if you could you know, start us off by just telling us about that story. Yeah, so I was a physical, and I still am. When people ask me, what do you do? My first response is still that I'm a physical therapist. I had been practicing for a little over 15 years before this sort of idea spawned uh, about WebPT. And it was really started with a problem that I was having inside of my practice. I was a clinic director of a very large sports medicine practice here in Tempe, Arizona. And um, one of our largest expenses that we had was transcription and dictation because we were doing all of our documentation on pen and paper outside of what we would then send to our physicians and insurance companies. And so many of my referring physicians were starting to transition into some digital platform. And so I thought there had to be something out there for physical therapists as well. Uh, We did a little bit of a, a search, and what we found was very clunky, very medically based, not, uh, you know, in, in tune with the physical therapist workflow, server based, so very expensive. And if you've been to a physical therapy practice, so you understand that us therapists don't really sit behind us very often. We're up and around. And so server based platform really wasn't something that was going to be useful to me. And so I put my head together with a software engineer, and really our idea was to just build something that was supposed to be for my practice. And so this was in 2006. Within nine months, we had something up and running that was just to solve the documentation component and had really good feedback coming back from the therapists in my clinic, uh, which were using it. Um, We were definitely starting to save some money because we were no longer having to do a lot of the transcription and dictation. 
within the next six months of my colleagues from the area started sniffing around and saying, hey, what are you doing over there? We want to save money too. And so within the next six months, we had 10 other practices up and running using our platform, giving us positive feedback. And so in 2007, we did a little bit of market research and we found that 80% of physical therapists in the United States were still documenting on pen and paper. And so light bulb goes off and uh, recognize that what the problem I was having in my practice was actually pretty prolific throughout the entire industry. So in February of 2008, we decided to launch the company and we sold five clinics that very first month. You fast forward to 2019 and we now have 40% market share, over 15,000 practices using our platform, 80,000 users hitting it every single day in this you know, software that now is a mission critical application in the majority of outpatient physical therapy practices across the U.S. Wow, that's that's fascinating. And you know, what struck me, I, I thought you, this is really interesting. So, in 2006, you mentioned that most of the software was on premise, which seems kind of crazy at that time. Was that because the industry was just slower to adopt, or was there a security issue, or what was the like? What was the reason for that? Yeah, I mean it. You think about 2006, there were a lot of, I mean, so much advancement has happened in the last, you know, 10 years in lots of industries. Healthcare always tends to be at least five to 10 years behind most other industries. So we're just slow to adopt. There are some restrictions in terms of compliance, as well as HIPAA related issues. So security is, is extremely important. So in terms of communication between systems and things like that, uh, it becomes a little bit more of a technology burden. We were the first SaaS platform, so software as a service, a web-based platform in the market. And still today, there's really not that many. There have been a lot of, of our competitors that have tried to then become web-enabled or you know, now trying to make that switch to web-based. But you know, as you know, in technology, that is extremely difficult to do. So we've led the pack in that regard. And I think that was, you know, part of our early adoption was the ease of use, but also the ease of actually adoption. Um, And then if you didn't like it, you could, you know, with the SaaS model, you could pay a month and then maybe not. But we've had a 99% retention rate from the, from the get-go and have yet to relent on, on that, on that attrition of of any companies within our, our system. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So you know, I, I've been talking to a lot of other folks who develop new categories and kind of a rule of thumb that I've heard a few times is that if you're solving a, a problem that hasn't been solved before, that's a good sign that you might be developing a new category. And it sounds like there are a couple of problems. So one was you know, the one we just talked about, the fact that most of the software at the time was on-premise and, you know, for an outpatient clinic, that's it's probably not feasible to install something like that in that type of environment. But then you mentioned that 80% of, um, of therapists, if I got that right, we're, yep. we're using pen and paper to, to document their work. So like, I, I, what was the, the market adoption seems like it would be pretty high. You mentioned you're at 40% now and that, that took, um, and you, what, 80,000 users you mentioned? Yeah. Yeah. So like what's been, how's your growth trajectory looked over those, those years since you launched in 2008? Well, we've had the traditional sort of adoption curve of, you know, those early adopters who adopted early. And then we're now just on the other side of, you know, the, I guess the mid tier uh, of those, a few of those who are digging their heels in who are maybe going to retire soon, or they just say, you know what, I just, I'm faster on pen and paper. There's nothing you're going to do and tell me that, I, that I'm going to, to switch over. But 
you know, there's been a few sort of pushes that have helped this sort of trajectory that you have growth that we've had. You know, a lot of stars sort of aligned for us to enable the success, such rapid success. Part of it was compliance. So the Affordable Care Act and the High Tech Act were both passed during this time. The good news, we think it was good news, was that physical therapists, occupational therapists, and speech language pathologists, which we, we now umbrella as rehab therapy, were not considered eligible professionals for the incentives that physicians were getting to adopt electronic health records. And so the large players who went into the physician space didn't really bother with our niche market of of rehab therapy. And so while physicians were getting this incentive to adopt, our adoption had to be organic, meaning our platform had to be at value and also at a price point where they could afford it. And so the the burden of documentation uh, in physical therapy is much larger than a physician because, you know, you're seeing a therapist for multiple visits versus the one time a year maybe that you're seeing your physician. And so we started with the most challenging component, which was the documentation portion of uh, the business side of, of a physical therapy clinic. And so... There were other competitors that basically had started on the billing side, which is extremely important. We took the best and breed sort of um, context, meaning that we had built our documentation EMR platform, but then we integrated with a lot of the billing systems. And so we could exchange information where that gave the freedom for our users to not have to rip and replace anything they had maybe just implemented. They could continue to use their billing software. Now they were just adding another software into the mix to do the hardest component uh, of, of what a therapist has to do on a daily basis. And so on top of that, being built by a physical therapist and with the workflow understood and being very intuitive to what they would do every day, all of those types of things together on top, top of the, the regulatory changes that were happening to sort of push this mandate of the adoption of EMR, all of those things aligned for us during this time, which has uh, been a tremendous help to, to our success. Yeah, I, that's, I think you mentioned something really crucial there. Was, it, it was that the other pieces of software your customers were using at the time were, were providing uh, like ancillary features to what you're providing. So you weren't taking market share away from them, at least not at the time. At least not um, at the time. We can, we can talk about that, that a little bit more. But you were like the market share or the problem you were competing against was the status quo of taking notes by hand. And exactly. uh, I think- We talked makes- about that actually. Our biggest competitor when we first started, a lot of our marketing sort of efforts were put were actually against pen and paper. Right. And that was our marketing sort of ploy is like ditch the pen and paper and, you know, move all of your things to digital. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me more about that, because I'm always fascinated at how new ideas are positioned and, and messaged audiences who really have no concept of, of what this new thing is. So, like, w- walk me through some of the iterations and some of the ideas that came up as you were thinking through how to tell your potential customers about this. Yeah, you know, that's uh, been an interesting story as we, we now retrospectively look back at how we've done this, how we've had the success. And our current CEO has really, I think, um, has nailed it in terms of we've built essentially two companies. In 2009, we were still educating people on what the cloud was. 
we started submitting, you know, to speak at different events and, and uh, industry conferences, and we would use the word cloud, you know, move, you know, move your documentation to the cloud. And, and we got responses back, what is the cloud, right? And so having to understand your audience and know that we had this burden of education, we started back in 2009 through our website, a tremendous amount of online education where we would do free webinars on a monthly basis. We started out with like five blogs a month. I think we were pumping out 15 blogs to 18 blogs a month now with themes all around the sort of the business side of physical therapy, which at that point in time really wasn't out there in terms of having discussions around, you know, how do I run my business? It was really all on the clinical education side. And so when you talk about building categories, we, we not only built a category in terms of our web-based, you know, electronic health record in, in the PT niche market, we also built this tremendous education engine around the business side of, of our industry. And that's helped us. And then today we even have a, a large conference that we put on that is not just a user conference. It actually uh, incorporates anybody in the community who wants to learn more about you know, how to improve the business side of your, your outpatient uh, clinics and how to run them. What are the metrics you should be using? How do you market? Like all the things that, you know, as most small businesses or even large businesses are interested in learning, we provide that. And so they look to us as a thought leader in the industry around this. And that is really, you know, when you talk about funnel, our funnel is very large in terms of people coming into the funnel, knowing our brand respecting our brand for what we've done in terms of education and, and as a thought leader. And then when they're ready for an EMR or any part of our platform today, we're the first person they think about, right? So that lead generation model is, is a part of that education engine that we've built, but it's been, a, a again, a tremendous part of, of why we've had the success that we've had. Yeah. So you... There's a question I was going to ask you later on, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it now because yeah. you mentioned a couple a couple of things. So one, you talked about educating people on the cloud in 2009. <laughs> and so this is, you know, 10 years after Salesforce launched this idea of, of no software. Right. And, and then um, two, you talked about, of course, the software itself and that being seen as kind of the, the default choice within this category, you know, in part through the thought leadership you're, you're producing. And so I was going to ask you who's, who's inspired you. And I have to guess that you've spent some time <laughs> looking at the story of Mark Benioff and, and Salesforce. Yes. Am I right in that guess? Uh, we often talk about, you know, what is sort of your goal? And when, you know, we talk about being the Salesforce of PT, right? So absolutely, uh, Salesforce is, is definitely one of the people that we look at and, and how they've done it, right? So they've done similar things, right? They've integrated with a lot of other platforms to where your core product is still... WebPT or Salesforce, but yet you can still have these integrated components. And then over time, we end up building them ourselves. And then, you know, it's the all-in-one platform, which is essentially where we are today. And we're continuing to build. We have had a couple rounds of funding through our 11 years. The last one in 2014, uh, Battery Ventures, a uh, top-tier VC firm from Silicon Valley, led by Chelsea Stoner, our managing partner, um, uh, has has really helped us now to grow through M&A as well. And that's been a tremendous ability to grow faster, right? We'll, we're, we're now a $100 million company, which is, I mean, I still pinch myself to think about that. It's crazy. 
but yeah, so we we have all these components now uh, to really, you know, fulfill our vision of every portion tech of technology or anything digi digital within an outpatient clinic will live under the WAPT umbrella. That's, that's really our goal. Okay. So yeah, you have very ambitious goals to kind of cover A to Z in terms of what a, a practice needs to, to cover from the business end. How do you define that that category? Because and or maybe can't even define it at all. Because you've talked about different aspects of the business, and you you started off with one, and then you kind of tackled things like billing, you know, later on. Like, yeah. how do you how do you describe this this ecosystem that you're building? You know, there's there's a few different descriptors that we we use. We talk about the business uh, software platform. We talked about practice management platform, which traditionally in the past has really only reflected the the uh, billing side of things but we kind of like that the, the practice management software platform because it's really essentially saying everything that you need to to manage your practice is living within this software componentry or platform so you know and we we often say now that we're definitely more than just in, in EMR the EHR has now emerged as another sort of a larger sort of umbrella where the electronic medical record was just specifically provided to provider in terms of the documentation components. Now the EHR, the electronic health record, now includes patients uh, interacting with the software, and we definitely have that. So, you know, there's a lot of different language components that are or pieces that are starting to be thrown around. And yeah, we, we kind of like the practice management uh, software. I think that encompasses everything we're trying to accomplish. But it, sure. at this point, it's WebPT. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Salesforce, you know, like Salesforce, you can't just call it CRM anymore. You just call it Salesforce. So we just say it's WebPT. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, you know, one of the first interviews I had about category uh, de design, category creation was with um, HubSpot's current CMO, a guy named Kip Bodner. And he, he reminded me that a category doesn't really exist if if there's not more than one company participating in the space. And uh, and you mentioned early on, you guys were the only ones who did specifically what you do, but it sounds like that's that's changed over the years. So who do you see yourself competing against today? Yeah, we're still competing a little bit against pen and paper, not a lot, um, but we there definitely are some competitors in our space. You know, clinicians, uh, Raintree or two that we come up against quite often. Um, but as we continue to uh, expand sort of our market into other specialties outside of just uh, outpatient, you know, we're, again, not, I wouldn't say we're competing because we're, we're still partnering and, and integrating with these larger organizations like Cerner and Epic, which are pretty much the category leaders, if you will. If you talk about the EHR space from you know, um, hospital for, for the whole healthcare sort of end-to-end. Uh, -end. And so we're, we're partnering with them in quite a different hospitals um, because we don't really do inpatient at this point. And that's where they live and breathe, right? And are thriving the most with the large health large, large healthcare and hospital systems. And so I wouldn't consider them necessarily competitors, but we obviously are always keeping an eye on them as the, the biggest, you know, players in our, in our space. Yeah. I, I want to shift gears a little bit because, you know, as a marketer, I'm always trying to learn from others and uh, you've done some great things with your marketing. And I know, at least from my wife's experience in school, they didn't teach her a whole lot about marketing when she was getting her, uh, her doctorate. <laughs> right. So I'm curious, like what, 
who do you look for you know, as examples of, of, uh, of great marketing and um, how do you continue to improve as a marketer yourself and improve the, the marketing team at WebPT? So we have assembled, I will just say, the best marketing team in the healthcare arena. We do everything in-house except for PR. So video creation, content creation, you know, website development, everything that you see externally and on our web pages are all done in-house. And so the voice, the brand, the standards in which everything is seen is, is held very tightly within the organization. So I think that's been very key for us. Um, the voice has been, we started it back in 2009. And it's just, it's been consistent and reflective of uh, our core values as well. And so when you talk about who do we look for, you know, nobody uh, in our marketing team has any healthcare experience. They've, uh, it's all been learned. But the thing that we look for is the hunger, the digital marketing knowledge, right? It's a strong, strong uh, digital marketing push, SaaS understanding, right? Of It's all about the funnel, right? We have to, we're feeding sales, right? So our close rate, when we get people into a demo from any leads that come in the door is, you know, at a over 50% rate. And so it's tremendous SaaS metrics. And so it, it really, those, those um, warm leads that come in in the transition into sales, you know, you just have to understand that whole customer experience through, uh, through from the time that they're a prospect to the time they potentially get through sales. That whole sort of read in, how do we keep them is, is a lot of things that we look for in our team. Sure. It sounds like you've recruited some, some really strong people. And, uh, you know, one of the things I think is overlooked sometimes in recruiting is like how important the company's mission is. Like we talk about mission and vision sometimes in the context of like getting customers excited, but that's, that's at least in my experience, um, I'm sure it's the same with you, but like the, the mission you build for that company is just as key in getting people to, to join your team. Has that been your experience? And like, what have you, what have you sold people on in terms of your, your own mission to get them excited about working for you? Yeah, John, it's a, it's a really great question. You know, when we look for any employee here at WebPT, we hire for culture first. And, you know, we talk about the voice that we have from a brand externally. That voice is very much reflected internally. So if you look at any of our job descriptions, it has the pizzazz of, um, and voice of, of being a very different company. And so, you know, you, you go through a very rigorous process and it really is about matching up our core values with the values of that potential employee coming in and making sure that it is a dual agreement on fit, that they want to be here just as much as we would love them to be a part of our company. And we are extremely purpose-driven. So having that buy-in and getting behind the mission and vision of empowering our therapists to achieve greatness in practice through providing this very intuitive and easy to use platform to get patient, to get them back to doing what they love and that's treating patients. So getting to know our customers, becoming part of this community, all of that stuff is super high on the list. When you just, you compare resume to resume and they all look awesome that's what sets apart our people that we, that actually get hired here at WebPT. Yeah. Yeah. So do you use that same type of narrative when you talk to like your, your board and your investors and do you still have the same type of vision? 
Absolutely. That I mean, we talked to them about that when we went through the process to get battery. I mean, it was a long process and we walked away from uh, one investor who, when we had valuation stars in our eyes, because we took a step back and said, they're not meeting our, they're not meeting what our initial criteria was. And that was to truly solidify based on our culture and our core values and our vision of what we're trying to accomplish. And when we went back to the drawing board, you know, and we asked those questions and had that conversation with Battery, that's what solidified that deal. We've done it with our CEO, Nancy Ham, who, you know, that was a big part of her interview process, you know, even with the board. I'm, I'm super proud. Like the board would even, were asking her about those types of things because we, you know, we, we put a significant percentage of our budget into uh, pushing culture within the organization. and. That sometimes can be a, a little contentious if you all you're thinking about is profit in the bottom line, right? Yeah. And so we've been extremely fortunate to really have people who believe in this longer term vision that we have of what we're trying to accomplish with our overall mission. Awesome. So speaking of long term vision, you mentioned you're a hundred million dollar company now. What's uh, what's the goal for the next five years? You know, we have never built our company based on an exit strategy. We've always just continued to the grind and push forward towards that purpose of what we're trying to accomplish. And we don't have any reason to, to not do anything different. Right now, we are working a lot on efficiency within our, our electronic health record. We're actually updating our UI to what we're calling 2.0, WebPC 2.0. So we're doing a lot of that. We've added a couple of major acquisitions over the last couple of years that we're working on more tightly integrating with our platform. We added BMS, which is a large medical billing revenue cycle management business um, that has been tremendously helpful to us to grow. And then we added a, a PRM, which is a patient retention management platform software that we've added to the front end to really help our clinics to retain patients and actually gain more patients through communication, social media platforms, things like that. So those are some of the main areas. And then the biggest thing that we've been doing is also uh, moving up market. So consolidation is, it has already started within our industry. So larger organizations, private equity money has, has come into the industry to empower these uh, larger businesses to start getting bigger, right? So uh, we wanted to make sure that we're not just for the SMB space, that we also could satisfy the enterprise level. And that's been our big push over the last three three to four years in terms of getting our platform ready for that. And now we're, we are crushing it in terms of uh, getting some of those uh, big guys to really understand, hey, WebPT is not just for SMB. We, uh, we absolutely satisfy the enterprise level uh, standards as well. So if we talk again in five years, you're going to not have dominated just one category. There'll be multiple that you'll, you'll claim ownership. <laughs> our right goal now. is to dominate the whole rehab therapy. Our, our TAM is big, right? When you talk about niche, right? Some of the, the question marks we got early on in our, our build, a, build of our platform. And this is, you know, some of those things when you're building a category, it's all about staying focused, right? And we have done that and get a lot of credit for it now of really staying niche. And so we stayed niche to the outpatient market, but within the rehab therapy market, there's still a lot of runways in Greenfield opportunity to go. And so that's really what we're looking at and targeting 
today is how do we penetrate more and just truly dominate the whole rehab therapy market and maybe not just outpatient, even though, you know, there's still 60% to go in, in outpatient. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> so a lot, a lot to look forward to. I want to ask you to look backwards for a moment. It's one of my favorite questions to ask people. If you yeah. could give your, if you go back five years, give uh, Heidi Janenga from uh, what, 2014, some advice. What, uh, what would you tell yourself? Yeah. So if I could go back and talk to myself back then, a couple of things, the transition from leaving my 15 year career as a physical therapist, when I was really at the top of my game and jumping into this software world where to be honest with you, 15 years ago, no one would have used Heidi Janaga and technology probably in the same sentence. <laughs> and so telling myself that you you do have a skill set, you are enough, because that was a difficult transition for me to make that leap. It took about a year. And not only that, I, I threw in having a child during that time. So it was a first time mom. So that sort of confluence of three major changes in my life all at the same time was, was a lot, but I got through it. And what I really, the, the epiphany for me was that a lot of the skill sets that I had built as a therapist for 15 years and running this practice, you know, and building the practice operationally were immediately transferable into this new industry, even though it was totally new and different people, different nomenclature, different language, my skill set still applied. And so that sort of believing in yourself and, and having that confidence um, that you, you are that you are enough, you can do this um, is one big thing. And then, and then the other kind of, piggyback on that is that you don't have to have all the answers. It's okay to say, I don't know. Um, and that vulnerability to say that really makes you human. People actually respect that from leaders more than when you try to just give somebody some bullshit answer. And, uh, you know, I often, I have leaders come in and talk to me and ask me questions today, even within an organization. My usual response now is, well, what do you think? Earth is trying to give them an answer. I just push it back, reflect it back onto them to make them come to me with solutions and ideas versus just coming to me to, to get the answers. And so I wish I would have probably done that sooner, just not feeling like I had this, this stress of having to have all the answers and knowing everything about everything. Sure, sure. Well, I think those are two great points to kind of wind down today's interview with. One, believe in yourself and two, be comfortable knowing that you don't have to have all the answers. Uh, great pieces <laughs> of advice. Now, on the on the Flip My Funnel show, we like to end all of the interviews with one special question. And it's, okay. uh, if you could leave our listeners with one challenge today, what would you like to say to them? For all of you out there, first of all, thank you for listening. If you're listening, that's, that's pretty awesome. Appreciate that. And I would say that it's really important to find time for personal growth. I think that we spend a lot of time on our professional growth and, you know, you're on this podcast right now and maybe you'll get some personal growth with this too, but really get to know yourself. What are your strengths? What are your dreams? What are your goals? Taking that time to really understand that about yourself, I think will also help you on your professional side. But that was one thing that I, I did when I was going through that transition of, you know, what do I, what are my strengths? Like, what am I really good at? And pile on more to that right? Add fuel to that fire because you're never going to like the things that you're not so good at and surround yourself with people that are good at those things that you're not good at. And that's really been helpful for me in, in 
becoming the leader that I've become, but also just from a personal growth side of that, building that confidence and, and understanding more about, you know, wh- what do I want out of life and what's going to make me happy? Yeah. Yeah. Did you have a, like a book? Uh, cool. Did you, do you have like a book or a mentor or anything that, that helped uh, guide you through that process? You know, I'm a huge Brene, Brene Brown fan. So I've read all of her books. She was tremendously helpful to me. Uh, she just came out with a new book called Dare to Lead, which I've actually, um, I have like 40 copies sitting on my desk right now that I, I'm giving out to, I lead a, a propel her group that we started with in our organization, which is a, a women's leadership group. And so I got that book for everyone in, in our group. And so I don't know, those, those are ones that I would, I would say are a good place to start. Good deal. Heidi, it was such a pleasure talking with you today. I know I could talk to you for another <laughs> a few hours at least, but I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Yeah, no problem, John. I appreciate you asking me to be here. So thank you. Yeah, you bet. Take care. Stangrum here. All right. You already might have heard that I launched my newest book, ABM is B2B. So I want to give you a gift for being a podcast listener for some of you have been listening it for the whole year and a half and and send me so many messages. So I want to gift you. I want to gift you a copy of the book. I'm not asking you to buy. I'm literally gifting you the copy of the book. So if you text me at 33777 with the keyword ABM is B2B. Simple as that. Text me when you get a chance. Don't don't drive and text like when you stop. It will be in the show notes. Just take a look at it. The keyword is ABM is B2B and text me that keyword at 33777. It will add, ask you for a physical address so I can ship you the book. And I just want to say thank you. I am super excited. Hopefully I can uh, get this book to as many of you who have been a loyal listeners and evangelist of the Flip Platform Podcast. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel Podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.